Wow. I think we, and I don't think we have time to go into it, but I think we're maybe stumbling on something that maybe connects like a purpose of life is to love whoever's around to be loved. But then this like nature thing, it's focusing on an externality. And I think that like that person lost at sea or the person in the prison cell or whatever isolation they're feeling, even in that seemingly like solitary task, having like an outward focus and an appreciation. I think there might, that might be where the meaning is. Oh boy, we're going deep today. We got Dr. Nate Dern. Nate Dern is a obviously another friend of mine, of course, but Nate is a currently a writer for The Tonight Show, and he is a doctor of sociology and so many more things, but he'll tell us all about that stuff. But this was a really fun conversation. We get into a couple of hypotheticals, and we just really get down to it and try to figure out what is the meaning of life. Is there any point to this madness that we call life, that we wake up every day, we open our eyes, and we say, what the, What do we do now? Oh, here we are. We're awake again. So I hope you get a lot out of it. I did. I always get a lot uh, out of talking to Nate. Nate is very smart, very funny, and very accomplished guy and um, just a good, a good person. And I can't say enough about Nate. Uh, I will, I do over the course of the podcast. And so you'll get to hear more about me gushing over how much I love Nate. But uh, make sure if you do like Nate, or if you don't, buy his book, Not Quite a Genius, available everywhere that they sell books, which is probably Amazon, but probably shouldn't be. So let's get to it. Here's Nate Dern. I'm Ryan Beck, and this is The Meaning of Life. First of all, thank you for um, talking to me. And my first question to everybody has been, um, can you state your name and tell me who you are? My name is Nate Dern. I am a uh, aspiring comedian and writer. I'm from Colorado. I have a wife and a dog and a cat. I live in Brooklyn, New York right now. That's so weird to me that it's not, I don't know, weird's the wrong word. I'm fascinated that you said aspiring. <laughs> I was, it wasn't planned, so that was, and I wasn't doing it to, to, be a, to do a joke or anything. That is just, that's what naturally yeah. came out. Yeah. Do you feel, um, this is it, this is what I kind of what I wanted to ask you about. To, to me, and I think to a lot of people, you're an incredibly accomplished person. You have a book. You write for The Tonight Show. You've had several high, like, you know, lots of responsibility in comedy jobs. You've also had a very, uh, like, you've gone as, as high as higher education goes. You have a doctorate. Do you view yourself as an accomplished person? Because you just told me aspiring. <laughs> yeah, I still feel, I still feel aspiring. Yeah, it just feels like you're just hitting a balloon up in the air that could fall down as soon as you stop continuing to hit it up um and just uh yeah i guess imposter syndrome i, f- I mm. feel that just just uh not everyone feels it i was about to say as much as the next guy but i guess not everyone feels it but i i i feel, I feel that yeah i feel it all every situation that i have and probably more this year than ever yeah um but I, yeah I've, i wouldn't i wanted to ask you because you know i'm trying to find the meaning of life through asking people what's meaningful to them mm-hmm. and from an outsider's perspective you have such a drive and and you really like it, it feels like you don't waste any energy like you you accomplish the things that you set out to and i think it's so admirable do you feel that way um is do, that important to you i would to, s- like finish to see something through yes uh i would say that working 
hard is important to me and I, I, I know that I'm, I'm ambitious. If I can, if I can tell you a, a dorky thing that you can please feel free to make fun of me for. Okay. Uh, so I, I was on an improv comedy team, uh, a house improv comedy team at the UCB theater called Sandino. And like a few months in, we were all kind of getting to know each other. And by that point we'd spent a lot, spent a lot of time together and you know, we're all, we're all like drinking the Kool-Aid and we're like, Oh, this is so important. We got to, all like get to know each other really well and we're all kind of like bearing our hearts out for each other and it and in the process of doing that at one point we all started uh telling each other what harry potter house ever they everyone thought they would be in and without hesitating everyone in the on the team said that they thought i would be a slytherin and this was so shocking to me i'm not sure if you're familiar with the harry potter universe but they're mm-hmm. like the, they're the evil guys and i was like what are you guys talking about do you think i'm an asshole and no they didn't say anyone else was slytherin and they were they were just like no they're ambitious they're the most ambitious mm. and it it really was heartbreaking to me that they thought my number one trait was ambitious and all these people that i'd been getting to know so well and i do i do think of myself as ambitious but i think when if ambition is your number one trait then that feels troubling to me you know what i mean so that's something yeah that there's maybe like an undertone that you would do anything or or that you would lack compassion or something like that like right you undercut people to get what you want right and that you would prioritize personal gain ahead of those other important things and so i and i do because i am i am ambitious that's true but i do i think i've always been aware of that as being a double-edged sword but especially since that very dorky conversation yeah. about harry potter houses i was like oh wow that's something i should keep in check that i was very much trying to put my like best foot forward for these people for a couple months mm-hmm. and that was still what their takeaway was so i was like yeah. oh wow that's, that's something I, to keep an eye on i feel a little bit of uh i feel i know you to be a very sensitive caring person but you are highly ambitious and i would say that you're a slytherin with like hufflepuff rising <laughs> that's how i would describe you that's exactly how i feel I yeah feel, i and feel I, seen i, I, I was feel officially seen. <laughs> i was officially sorted as a slytherin from the sorting hat and the studio tour that uh, my <laughs> wife and i went on so i i have also been described in the same manner as Amazing. like a slytherin because of my ambition and everything oh, but i truly I've always felt a, a kindred spirit when when I, we get to hang out and yes. work together um, because we both want things to be great and we both have incredible ambitions yeah. with our career and, and just with every single project and I really want like everything to be great but like I just am riddled with um, not wanting to step on anybody's toes, but also I know that this is the right way or whatever right, right. and it's such a conflict when... I don't know. Have you always been sensitive like this? Yeah. Well, I think you're you're exactly right. We do have a lot in common in that way. And we, you know, for the for listeners who aren't familiar. Oh, I just got a slack. Could you hear that? I'm sorry if that interrupted our no. track. Okay, good. Well, now the only that interrupted it was me talking about it. Oh, <laughs> but I actually I kind of uh, I just demonstrated what I was about to say, which is I think we're both considerate people. Um, but then also that goes along with these other things. So we're considerate of not wanting someone else to feel uncomfortable um, or not wanting to put someone else out or something like that. But then at the same time, we want whatever project we're working on to be the best. Because uh, mm-hmm. if for listeners who don't know, you and I worked together for a long time, I think almost a year at Comedy Central, uh, where we were working on a, a project, the creators program, where we were trying to make this thing, thing successful from the ground up with uh, a few other folks. And we were working very hard on it and really kind of shaped this thing. 
and kind of put our blood, sweat and tears into it for a long time for many months. And then we traveled together multiple times to work Mm -hmm. on this thing. So I think we know each other pretty well. And also, especially in like a, a creative way, have seen each other, what we're, what we're like when we're trying to create something and make it good. And yeah, I think, uh, so so I I feel that with you. It makes me feel more fear than you saying that last thing. What did I I say? I don't uh, even remember that you know each other in a creative way. Ah, yeah. God, I hope uh, I wasn't a jerk. (laughs) I can leave a, I could leave like a, a truly like a really good thing that I could leave leave the place that I did a good deed, like serve the poor food or something, which I have done and still feel like a jerk. So I, that, you know, um, it's just how I operate. I think I'm always worried that I didn't uh, do something nice enough or good enough. No, me too. Me too. So, um, in terms of education, you like, why I want to know this because we were working together at comedy central and you had a lot on your plate. You were running this thing from the ground up and you had a lot to tackle and, meetings and all this kind of stuff that you were doing, but you still were going to school for your doctorate. And I want to know, is education the meaningful thing to you? Is it like expanding your mind? Why did you continue to do that? Or is there some level of like, I mean, you know, just to call it out, you went to Harvard and then you went, your doctorate's from NYU. Like these are important schools. Is there the prestige factor? Like, what is it? Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's like, um, the part of that is the accomplishment and the ambition and, you know, whatever that like little thing is that I like accolades and I like accomplishments and I wish I didn't, but I do. But then it's also just that, um, being, I love being project based and being a, like a, it sounds cheesy, but a lifelong learner. Um, Tim Heidecker has a, has a new solo album that I can't tell if it's a joke or serious, but it seems serious. And so maybe the joke's on me, but he has a song about how he's scared because he's worried that he's done learning. And it's kind of this sad song about getting older and you're, and it's kind of this worry of like, Oh, maybe this is just, I'm the person that I'm always going to be for the next few decades until I die. And maybe I know as much as I'm going to know. And these are the opinions I have. And isn't that kind of a scary, sad thought? And so, yeah, to, to kind of try to avoid stagnation or avoid, um, yeah, just stopping growing. That that sounds so scary to me. And I think that education is a way to continually have the potential to grow. And I'm also, I'm so skeptical of people who think they know everything. And maybe, maybe that to a fault, I'm to get to the meaning of life, uh, like I'm a bit of a moral relativist. Like I'm, I'm a bit of a like, well, I don't know, maybe that's re- what's right for you. And I, some, yeah. I'm really uh, reluctant to say that this is the absolute right way. And I'm really skeptical of people who think they know everything. And so I'd always rather just try to learn more, you know? Yeah. I, I think that is kind of how I feel too. Throughout the course so far of this podcast, like I'm, I kind of am just, I want to know what makes people feel this like what makes other people feel meaning and see if I can drive something from that because I don't know and I'm not going to tell anybody and if you ask me I'd probably have a different answer on different days of the week right and that kind of scares me in a way um, <laughs> and in learning all this I've kind of appreciated people who have um, like a really strong sense of what they feel um, and what they believe to be true and I'm, I'm kind of like yeah, that's great. I'm glad. For, I'm happy for you. 
<laughs> yeah, I well, I I can't remember. Did you grow up religious? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, so I grew up in a Catholic church, and they oh, that's speak right. Arabic there because my mom was you know born in Lebanon, and I have a you know big Lebanese half of my family's Lebanese, and so I grew up in, in the, the church, but I also could, literally couldn't understand most of it. Um, because half, you know, over half the mass was in Leb or in Arabic, um, which is why I was learning Arabic. Right, when right. We were I remember, together, yeah. Because I was like, I gotta figure this out. I have to learn something. Um, so, like, God and religion was always important, but it was also very hard to understand. Um, like, I learned a lot, but I also don't have a lot of the working knowledge that someone um, who was raised Catholic does. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I, but you, you also grew up religious. I grew up religious. And then, so because of that, I'm, I was kind of skeptical. Well, I, I also bought in and, you know, drank the Kool-Aid and I was, I liked a lot of it. I grew up a United Methodist Christian in Colorado and a lot of it seemed to make sense. Like the, the teachings of Jesus to look out for the, the little guy. That was my interpretation of it. And that we should mm -hmm. care for our neighbors. I was like, yeah, what's, what's to argue with this? But then I saw more and more people who said they knew all the answers and then just from how they're living their life, I was like, no, you don't like if this can't be it, like you're a jerk or, you know, if everyone was, was teenage Nate. Yeah, exactly. Like middle school, early teens, Nate. Uh, and so I, I think I've, that was kind of my first being very skeptical of anyone who thinks they know all the answers. And if you do, and if you do have some type of like moral compass that, lead you to do good things. I think that's great. And I, I wish I had that moral clarity, but I'm, I'm closer to you of like week to week. I'm like, Oh gosh, I don't know. Like I, I have some baseline things about try to be kind, but beyond that, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> try to be kind because you think that the universe will reward you. If you're kind, no. do you think it's just important to do it? It's yeah. Just... Not, not at all that the universe will reward you. I think to use like some philosophical terms, I think I'm closer to like an existentialist that we only have meaning through action and that the universe is absurd or like a nihilist that life is meaningless inherently. But that, but I don't find that discouraging to me. It's like, there is no inherent meaning out there, but as humans, we can then construct our own meaning so wouldn't you rather live in a community where people were kind to each other? And wouldn't wouldn't you rather live in a community where we look out for each other and where we value things like truth and hard work and fairness? I would. So let's let's do that together. But not because it's I don't think it's like going to be rewarded or I actually I don't even know. I don't know if I would get in trouble for saying this, but I don't think I even believe in like inherent uh, human rights or something or like natural rights. I think it's just the better way to be. And so, yeah. but not because it's like out there, you yeah. know, written in stone somewhere or something. <laughs> right. You don't think it's an intrinsic exactly. kind of thing. It's that we, it's wrong to uh, infringe on someone's being, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, in a nice way. Yeah. Like it just is. Just is. In the same way that like, um, you know, you would be kind to an animal. I know that you are you know, a conservationist, I guess, for uh, yeah. lack of a better term. Not in the way, I don't think you go hunting and stuff. I think you're like in a traditional sense, you really care about the environment and animals. Yeah, I think like of all the very important issues out there facing us today, I, I'm one of those people who thinks that, you know, climate change and environmentalism is probably, or I, I would say it is the most important one, but I say that as a, you know, a 
privileged white man who has most of my uh, have most of my comforts taken care of on a daily basis. So I know I, I, it's uh, not fair for me to say that, but I, yeah, I think that that's the most important one. And sometimes I feel like that we're, you know, we're like complaining about uh, that the, the railing on the Titanic is, is a kind of dirty, but the, it's like, guys, the Titanic's sinking. Like we, we gotta, (laughs) we gotta address that. Like, yeah. yeah, you're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. And there's a lot of things it that... Is, yeah, the railing is dirty. You're right. You're trying to be kind. That's you know, Exactly. That, that, that consideration when there is an iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really, that's really funny. Yeah. And even like your um, approach to getting to that, uh, <laughs> you, you were like considerate of like, I don't, I guess I'm allowed to feel this way. I am a white man who has things. So yeah, I you got it. This is my opinion. I'm sorry. It must be acknowledged, you know? Yeah. So Natasha told me that you made a film and I haven't seen it yet. Natasha, our our mutual coworker and friend from the Comedy Central days. Who is a staunch nihilist. (laughs) Yes, Um, I believe that. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't remember the exact exchange, but I'm pretty sure she's the only person that's uh, given me a one word answer when I said, do you think that there's meaning to life? Um, Amazing. She just said no. You can guess which. Amazing. Um, and she likened it to being uh, an, an immigrant, which I thought was oh. like, raised, uh, you know, kind of in a different, just a different part of the world. Literally, there's not this um, this cloudy American yeah, I- yeah. exceptionalism or idealism That's in, her, cool. in her mind. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but Natasha mentioned that you made a film about the afterlife because I had said offhanded I would really like to just see my stats at the end, ah. you know, just see like I would like to know how many Freds I knew or. Um, whatever. And uh, will you tell us about the. Yeah, so this, this was based on a short story I wrote that was originally called Life Stats, and then it, it went through a few different iterations. I think the final, <laughs> the final unfortunate name of the short film was How Many Farts Measure a Life, I believe, because I was trying to make it clear that it was a comedy film. Uh, but basically, yeah, ever since I was little too, I've had that same desire to kind of know your life stats and. Oh, I wonder how many how many times I've come close to death and didn't realize it. How many times I've eaten a spider when I was sleeping? Like that's one that people, for some reason, like is in the popular collective imagination. How many um, how many times there was someone who had a crush on me and I didn't realize it? And had I pursued it, it could have led to something. But I was too. These are things that are really hard to measure. You'd have to be dead to understand. Right. So some of them would be like that. And then I think also just like how many miles did I walk total? Some of the stuff. How tall that... was I? <laughs> for real like exactly it changes when i have shoes on and like <laughs> exactly that, but is that before you like tell us where we can find it is the idea of measuring what why is it the idea of measuring because that seems to be like a theme to to me about the you know the way that you kind of operate well it was sort of a self-critique that it to give the film away a little bit it's a 12 minute film on YouTube, I think, or maybe it's on Vimeo. Um, yeah, it's on Vimeo. That's right. Um, the, uh, to being obsessed with those stats, I think is unhelpful and kind of like, like that. What is it? Like the Alan Watts quote about like the Buddha is like pointing to the moon and all of us are just looking at the fingers and it's like, no, you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. The moon is the thing. Um, so I think like focusing on all of our stats to measure if we're being a good person or if we've led an accomplished life or a meaningful life instead of doing that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so kind of so, a, a self-critique of being obsessed with those because things. Because you do feel that accomplishments are important and you do kind of put that on yourself to accomplish things and measure things. Do you, does it like, is there a want to chill out? To yes, absolutely. And to become okay? Like, do you shy away from comfort? Um, I think I shy away from rest or shy away from feeling that that I'm that I that I could just chill out or something like I I definitely indulge in comforts and conveniences and I I like sleep in when I can or Mm -hmm. uh, things like that so I'm not there are some people who for sure are like I don't think I'm to the point of being masochistic like I don't think like I think there's some people who push themselves so hard that they're only sleeping five hours a night like I still try to prioritize being healthy and things like that Again, yeah. like I have the privilege to so, do that. So it's a fear of complacency. It's a fear yes. of yeah. like not growing anymore, like you spoke to earlier. I think so. What More keeps that. you going. Yeah, yeah. And also, so like, if- as I get older, it's truly just like, oh, my God. Like, I I feel embarrassed saying this. But with all the, like, um, we're, we're talking recently all the, uh, like, Bitcoin has gone crazy high and, like, all the Reddit GameStop stuff. Like I do, there's a part of me that my dad instilled in me of like being worried about money. And I'm, I am just like, Oh God, I wish I would have bought GameStop a month ago in the stock market. So, cause part of it is just like, well, I can't lose this job cause then I'd lose my health insurance and I like, I can't buy a house right now. I'd like to buy a house for my wife. So I got to keep working yeah. too. So a lot of it is just focused on a very dumb, like monetary stat of like seeing that like if, if I did motivation is. yeah if I did just win the lottery I do wonder if I would if I'd feel better about just going out to the desert or the mountains and reading books and trying to like publish a novel or something but then if it doesn't happen being okay with that <laughs> yeah yeah that's like something that I think a lot of people struggle with is that it's fear is a great motivator but it's entirely uh, it's not helpful in the enjoyment part of your life and you know, there's entire schools of thought that are based on that. You all we should do is enjoy our life and be nicer to ourselves. And um, you know, for people like you and I who are very ambitious and um, achievement based, and you know, I sometimes will delay gratification of uh, you know a project or whatever until I I feel like I've deserved it. Right. Um, which is probably isn't a healthy thing. What other things are there? that motivate you or is it mostly fear fear is a big part of it in different ways and i do think it's like i don't think it's wrong right or wrong but i think it's whatever my like combination of brain chemistry plus the environment i was raised in and the parents i had and the time i grew up in and like all of those things um have led me to be this way but i don't i think people who are less motivated or something i don't think that they're wrong or anything like that Mm um i think it's just for whatever reason, this combo of fear or uh, uh, worrying too much about achievement or getting the next thing has led to <laughs> me being this particular way. <laughs> do, you, do you only do things that you know that you're going to enjoy or that you can only that you know that you're going to be good at? Or are there things that you're I guess those are two different questions, really? Yeah. Um, do you find yourself like there are things that you do that you're like, I I don't want to do this, but I have to because it, it justifies the uh, the fear. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. I don't 
oh gosh i don't think so like i get a certain satisfaction out of all this all this stuff and then i read this cheesy self-help book a few years ago called strength finder it might have even been called strength finder (laughs) 2.0 it might have been the second (laughs) edition of the book uh but the but the point was basically that like sometimes our education system is backwards in that like growing up if you you know you take a math test and then you take a verbal or like an English test and then you do worse at math so the teachers are like oh you got to spend more time studying math and this is saying basically like the exact opposite like oh naturally you are better at English so put all of your energy into that or like naturally you are better at science so like forget that other stuff this came to you more easily so one unit of energy will get you so much more returns in this area that for whatever reason you happen to be better suited for or more interested in or more passionate Mm -hmm. about so like lean into that, lean into your strengths is the the takeaway from the book. That's fascinating. I yeah. Do, do you try to apply that? Or is I it- do. Yeah, I think so. So if I like, if I try to write a new, like if I try to write a drama uh, pilot, which is a, a thing I've tried tried to do, and I'll I'll give it like a fair go, and then I'm like, you know what, I'm not. This isn't clicking. I'm not good at this. And rather than like beating my head against the wall until I crack it, I think I'm okay with being like, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that. Like I gained from it what I did and now I'm going to try to return to some things that I think come more naturally to me what's the point that you feel like um I can quit good question and not feel like I have failed myself or failed in general yeah I don't know if there's a concrete marker of it but yeah just a feel I think it's a feeling of like after a few days when I've sat down to do it and I've made no further progress I'm okay with putting it aside and I think it's also why I like to work on a few projects at once so that if one isn't happening today, I can move over to something else. And then if after a while, like after a month, I haven't naturally <laughs> moved back to that project I shelved, I think I'm okay with being like, and and that's done. And it's there yeah. if I ever want to return to it, but I don't need to like beat myself up about writing another 500 words of this thing that wasn't coming naturally to me. Right. Have, um, just to change subject a little bit to speak to life in general um like the big thing the whole thing the universe all this stuff are these things i know that these are ideas and things that you've wrestled with or, or at least given some kind of thought about did you arrive at moral relativist because it was like an appealing term you're like yes there's (laughs) it's like i started uh therapy this past year and they said uh they described what um, compulsive thoughts were. And I was like, yeah, you know, there's like an eye opening, like you nailed, I needed a word. I needed a word. There's the word. There's the name of that thing that I Mm -hmm. experienced. Yeah. I think um, with moral relativists, the first time I actually, I have a, maybe I'd heard the term before, but the first time I remember hearing it and specifically someone else used it to apply to me, I was interviewing for the an honors program at CU Boulder, the University of Colorado Boulder, when I was applying to different colleges. And I think I'd gotten in there, but then there was this specific honors program that you could get into there because um, I, I grew up in Colorado. And there's this panel of people and kind of the head panelist was like, I forget how he got to the question, but he was like, so it sounds like you're saying that you don't think there's just one right way to do things. And I kind of thought about it. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I think it's all like contextual and historical that there could be different ways to do something. And he's like, well, I can tell you right now you're wrong. 
And I, it was so weird for me to have an adult tell me that I was wrong, probably because I was used to being like the top student. And I was, I was like, excuse me. And he was like, moral relativism, which is what you're espousing is wrong. I can give you an example. There's only one right way to breathe. And I was so mad at this adult for telling me that I was wrong that I said back to him, I was like, no, there's not. There's iron lungs. There's scuba diving. There's like fish have gills. They breathe differently. Like yeah. there's oxygen tanks. I was like, there's yeah. all kinds of ways to breathe. Like and he and then I could just tell the like the oxygen went out of the room and everyone was like, ooh, you shouldn't have talked back to that guy. And I didn't oh, wow. and I didn't get it. It was like the one college thing that I applied for that I didn't right. get. <laughs> I guess I'll just go to Harvard. Then. Yeah, it truly was. I was like, all right, dude, like later. But it was the first time that uh, someone That's had called me so a moral crazy. relativist. And he said it like it was a bad thing. And then I, yeah. after that interview, I like read and learned more about it. And I was like, oh, I kind of am this. <laughs> That's so fascinating. And what a bad example, because it is, like I know, is, um, yeah, what a weird example to give for that. Yeah. I mean, this is, this past year was the year of finding different ways to help. Right. People oh breathe, my God. You know? You're right. Like, people on ventilators. Jesus. Right. Yeah. There's just, there's a lot of different ways to, uh, to do that. Yeah. What a, as an example, what a crazy example. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I think to go back to your question about the big life thing. So I, so I do think I, I kind of subscribe to the Natasha Vainblot of maybe life is meaningless. But then given that, we have to find our own meaning. So I, I wrote this down because I didn't want to say it wrong. So I'm, I'm going to make sure I read it right. Uh, but I, Kurt Vonnegut is one of my favorite authors, and he has a book called Sirens of Titan. And in that, at one point, one of the characters says, a purpose of human life, no matter who is controlling it, is to love whoever is around to be loved. I think that's like the closest I've ever come across to like, you know what? That's, I like that. Let's be kind to the people that are around us. Let's love whoever's around to be loved. Like if that's all we're as, uh, aspiring to, we're probably, we're going to be okay. Yeah. This is such an interesting, you know, my brain starts to, to spin when you, I hear things like this, because then I think about different people in different situations and I'm like, um, you know, a lot of people will say that their kids are their life. And I've said this on the podcast before, um, maybe too many times, but it's like my <laughs> parents, they're empty nesters now. So I wouldn't say that their life has no meaning now that we've moved out of the house. They have less people, like fewer people around them. So does, is there like, is it a sliding scale? Do they have to go seek out a lot of people to be kind to and love to satisfy that, um, that statement? Or like, what about people who, are in prison isolation or Ooh, like even like um yeah like you know uh, i've never thought about at that sea, yeah, someone yeah. might be stranded at sea right now i don't know the, i mean the there, tom hanks a, castaway situation does tom sure. hanks and castaway does that life have meaning <laughs> well i mean it, it's kind of my question is that it, it's what are your thoughts on is there like an overarching meaning to life or to one's life uh, or is it like situationally based where it's like in this situation, I was really kind to people and that gave me meaning in this situation. Um, you know, if you're the only one that are around, if you're being kind to yourself, maybe you're satisfying this, this quote, but I start to just, do they have meaning in their life? I don't know. That's a, I love all those questions. I think that's a great uh, way to problematize that and think about that. Yeah. I think it's contextual. I think that that quote, is referring to like the 
basic human situation of being social creature social creatures that evolved to live in communities and like tribes mm-hmm. and everything and in that uh typical situation that is like a uh maybe a good default purpose but i think yeah you're right like then in the many intricacies of of social life sometimes people are stranded at sea or sometimes we isolate people and can they find a meaning in that wow that's really interesting i really i'm the the prison question i haven't thought about i feel like that's a blind spot for me of like yeah finding that if you were yeah and i mean i know that there are people in general population and things like that and that they still have some you know, resemblance of a isolation a or social something. structure. Oh, 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 yeah. You know, but there are people who are in isolation. Yeah. And um, for whatever reason, right. you know, maybe they did a horrendous evil thing. Um, and maybe they don't have any meaning in their life because of this thing. But in like the grand scheme, like it is a singular act. The thing that can you take away your own meaning that way or... Ha- Wow. I just don't, I just don't know. Um, yeah. and I don't mean to like, I'm not trying to stump you. I'm just talking like, no, what do you yeah. think about, what do you think about all of this? Because, you know, in a lot of ways we're all in isolation now and we've had to rethink about what is important to us and what brings us meaning. Um, we can't be around other people in the same ways. Um, if someone's really taking the virus seriously and they live alone, their experience this past year is going to be really strange right and really isolated yeah and maybe that's i mean i guess to to put it in the context of this past year like that in itself could be an act of kindness or respect to isolate socially in that way but then more broadly to what you're saying yeah it does could there be other meanings outside of that and i think so and i think that goes back to like the contextual nature of yeah what i think about it but yeah yeah like i don't know that we're gonna find specifics right we're not gonna find uh answers i i don't think we're gonna find any real concrete answers but it's like yeah probably there probably is something <laughs> that someone could find meaningful at a stranded at sea or in yeah like, triple lockdown well, prison man i would have to think about it more to give a meaningful answer i think the closest thing and this is a tangent that doesn't have an end yet. But I sometimes, like, if I'm out on a run, I sometimes hypothesize, like, <laughs> this is going to sound dark for a second. But if something, if a terrible tragedy happened in my life and say my, if my wife died or my wife left me and I was suddenly alone for all intents and purposes because I don't have I don't have children. If, so if I felt, if I was, like, alone, what would I then go do? Like, would I try to just volunteer in a homeless shelter? Would I, uh, <laughs> would I try to go? Um, I was going to say something even darker. Like, uh, would I go like assassinate Brett Kavanaugh and like risk going to, uh, to jail, but maybe it would help the greater good. I wouldn't yeah. do that. I, I said that jokingly. Right. Uh, I mean, the idea is, would you do something completely batshit insane? Right. That's the idea. Right. And something that maybe is counter to all these other, this previous like little, uh, social structure or like moral universe that I thought I had. Like if you kind of pulled the rug out from under that. Yeah. How would you view it? How would you view your life? Right. How would you value your yeah. life? Because if you tried to like harm a, anybody really, yeah. um, people would then harm you. Yeah. Um, no and, matter what position they hold or don't hold. Yeah. And it does undercut 
me like any statements that I would have previously made about the meaning of life being to love whoever's around to be loved. It, it kind of, uh, <laughs> and if, and if that could be, um, undercut so easily, it kind of, it calls into question the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. Right. All of it. You're like, well, what do we do now? Yeah. What do I think now? And that's, that's why my ultimate determine, and I don't feel like I'm going to be swayed off of this. I want to talk to, you know, I'm in works to talk to someone from each religion and try to just get people's opinions on these big topics. Yeah. But I don't feel like I'm going to be swayed from that. It's individualized. Gosh, I don't know how you could. I mean, actually, just before we when just before we started talking, I looked up that Kurt Vonnegut quote and I went down this wormhole where I found a weird blog post from a dude who who quoted that and he was talking about how oh this is so funny how in prison he converted to christianity and how christianity gave him meaning in prison and how he was a bad dude and then in christian found christianity and so tied like the love of jesus to this kurt vonnegut quote um and he and he's now like fully gung-ho devoted to this I thought that was so fascinating that he in like, I don't know. And like all power to him that he like, he wanted to find meaning or I don't know. And, and did, but I'm always going to be skeptical of that. I'm like, yeah, I'm so glad it worked for you, but I don't know. It's hard to, it's, uh, I don't know. I really don't know because in a lot of ways it's easy to be skeptical. I know. Right. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, it's also easy to just, um, you know, just completely accept uh, a doctrine that someone's laid out in front of you. Yeah, especially if it's uh, what you were given or grew up with. Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it, both are both have their challenges. Both have their internal struggles, and and you know it has to feel right for you. I don't know. Also, just a quick aside. I think um, Christianity has to be low on the list of things that people convert into. I know. In prison, I was interested right? by that. Yeah. When you say converted in prison, he converted, and I was like. He's going to, you're going to say Islam. Right. No. The Malcolm X, like that. I feel like that's the Every classic story. story yeah. Finding God in prison. Is, you know. <laughs> but I think that's just because we live in a right a Christian society. Right. Right. And this provides and an alternate. So then yeah. when someone does explain a story about someone finding religion, it's not going to be like, yeah, they found the one that everybody else is doing. <laughs> out there. So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm not going to be swayed, but I would like to. And the and the, the reason I'm doing the podcast is because I'm hoping that people can derive meaning from one of the interviews or like, yeah. you know, just like uh, thinking on their own about what's important to them. Ha- has anyone just come on and like so you you mentioned that Natasha is the only person that said no. Has anyone come on and just said, "Yes, I know the meaning of life and here it is. Have I convinced you?" No one's tried to outwardly convince me. Okay. Um, I have had people who are very strong in their beliefs on, and it's really refreshing. Ooh. Like, like it really is. It's really refreshing. I don't feel like I can, I don't know if I need to be older, if I need to experience, I've experienced a lot of tragedy in my life. I don't know that any more is going to sway me in a different direction. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is that would push me into the, so, you know, I think prison. I think you got to go to prison. Prison. I can convert to any religion. I could try all three. <laughs> Just of a, the big ones. It depends what texts they happen to have in the in the prison library that you that you <laughs> That's are assigned. Really true. <laughs> That's really true. But no, no one's um said like this is firmly this is what the meaning of life in general is. Um, I guess some people have come close, 
and I, I do appreciate it because it's, it's interesting. You know, um, I've pretty much talked to entertainers. Yeah. There's been a couple of exceptions, but up until this point, I've talked to a lot of entertainers. And so there's inherently a lot of um, similar life experience, even when people look different, sound different, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just I think what I my hope is for me, this is the most I think I've talked on the podcast, by the way. I'm sorry. Um, my goal is to listen. But That's I great. think what I'm trying to find is um, things that are meaningful to me. Right. And I'm afraid in some sense that I don't know what those are or how to find them. And that scares me, I guess. It scares me. Like, obviously, my wife and my dog are important. And, um, like, my career is really important to me. But then I'm like, why? And then I think, well, what if I just didn't do it? And then that doesn't make me feel good. So it's like, clearly, it is important. So (laughs) why and what and how do I continue to remind myself every day and do I have to practice gratitude every single day can I just feel this and stop having to work on you know just recognizing that things are nice like what you know do you struggle with these kinds of things oh absolutely yeah I know I do think it is all it is like like in you know in Buddhism they talk about practice and it is like because it is a practice like it's uh it's like brushing your teeth or something else boring like that you do have to do it every day you have to say your gratitude prayer or do your gratitude meditation or write down the 10 things you're gratitude are grateful for in your gratitude journal. Like it's annoying, but it's, you got to do it. The work. Yeah. And I'm, I guess you have to, yeah. I have to figure out a way to not put so much energy into that practice. Right. I put a lot of energy into meaning that it'll just be, to, be more of a habit and takes less. Yeah. Energy I think it to, has to become a habit because yeah. if it's like something that I actively think about, then I'm actively thinking about procrastinating. And then if I haven't done it by whatever time in the day, then it's become this whole thing that I'm weighing myself on and I'm uh, beating myself up yeah. about right. or, um, you know, any number of, uh, bad mental things to do to yourself. Right. So yeah, I, I, I guess, but if I don't like it, is that what I should be doing? <laughs> I don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah, that's like going back to the the strength finder thing. If it doesn't come naturally, but then I don't know because then like the and should every is that is that a hard and fast rule? Should everybody out there be meditating and trying to practice gratitude? Probably, but probably. maybe not. I think so. I think so. I think it would make the world better. I do. I sometimes wonder about like. So there, so we, we have a task then as human beings, we, we have a task, whether, whether you have meaning or sorry, whether life has meaning and, you know, we can still all have a nihilist existence where nothing is meaningful or nothing matters in the grand scheme of things. And it's all a happy accident. But then we, did we stumble on that? We have a duty in some sense. Yeah. To be grateful. I think so. Really? I think so. Because it makes you nicer to other people and it makes and you've and you feel better too i think that's like of all the different self-help things that i've like tried and stumbled across even meditation i can't do that consistently and sometimes just makes my anxiety worse worse like joe list the stand-up comedian has a great joke about like when he had anxiety someone told him to meditate and he's like so go be quiet alone in a room with my own thoughts for 30 minutes yeah that's gonna help my anxiety (laughs) Uh, and I think that's a great, yeah, it is a struggle. It is a struggle. Yeah. Sometimes. Whereas specifically thinking on the things you're grateful for or writing to, or even for me, what I, d- I like 
what helps more is writing down the things you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, even if it's the same 10 things you wrote down yesterday, that is like a concrete thing that helps and then makes me feel better and makes me better to the people that I'm around. And I don't, I don't think that that is like the purpose of life, but I think it makes it's a helpful tool. It's a helpful tool. Yeah. I really think that's great. And it's something that I need to personally practice more because when I am doing those things, I feel more connected to people and to my um, destiny or my fate, you yeah. know, my, the things that really make me feel like I'm doing something that I want to be, do, make me feel involved. Yeah. It makes me feel excited when I do that. And it's hard to remember or to take out time or feel like you did enough yesterday or, or whatever it is. But I, I do think, so going back to growing up in the church, yeah. talking about gratitude and making a list of gratitude, Anytime I've, I've so rarely prayed for things to happen. <laughs> I've so rarely prayed in my life when I have prayed, um, which admittedly has, you know, quieted. I'm not doing it nearly as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, it was never for something specific, usually. Yeah. There was one time that I tried to test God and see if he could get the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm a St. Louis Blues fan. <laughs> there was one time where I tried to test God and see if he could get the Philadelphia Flyers to the Stanley Cup, and they did make the Stanley Cup, and then they lost. Um, I didn't want them to win. I said, just get them there and see if they win. And it happened. And so now I'm like, wait, I was like, wait, why the Flyers and not the Blues? I really like their jerseys. <laughs> and also the, the Blues, I think, were already, the Blues were already out of the playoffs at this point in time. So I think the playoffs would even started at that point. Hilarious. So, but I liked the Flyers. They were like really tough in the '90s, and it okay. was like there was a lot of likable players. And I was just, I watched all hockey at that point. But I I remember testing God to see if this was real. I've never told anybody this. This is interesting. But I was like, if if you're out there, oh, yeah. and this is a thing. Then get the Flyers, who kind of stink. <laughs> To the Stanley Cup. And, and they, they made it. And then they got, I think they got swept. I have to check. Yeah. But they just got just ha- handled in, yeah, the, yeah. in the Stanley Cup because they shouldn't have been there. So it was my idea. And you my did understanding. it. Yeah. I was like, I did this. <laughs> and they stinked. So why would they have gotten there? And, um, you know, so now when I do question, this is so silly, but when I do question God and I question like, um, faith and people's faith and all this these kinds of things like i always come back to well something has to go on because the flyers made the stanley cup that year (laughs) (laughs) it all goes back to that (laughs) yeah and i say all this as a st louis blues fan it drives me crazy i'm like why didn't i pray for the blues as my yeah why not say okay god next season (laughs) yes i know but then now I was just like, let the Blues win when they want win, and they won in 2019. And I was like, okay, great. No so it problems. just took that long. <laughs> yeah, and then immediately we have like the worst year on rec- you know, in a long, long time. And I'm like, did the Blues do this? Like, what? Is, what is- it seems less like God and more like a monkey paw situation that you've stumbled onto with these <laughs> these wishes that have unintended consequences. And only yeah, a monkey's um, hockey glove. <laughs> exactly. But. Yeah, I just I just struggle with even doubting God. But when I am praying, it's almost always for gratitude, save a few instances that have confused me. Yeah. Um, and then I also find that I'm not let down when I'm practicing right. gratitude. Right. Yeah. Um, because recently I've really just wanted 
some kind of concrete change, something to do with my time, something that's going to make me feel fulfilled, maybe put a little cash in my pocket. I think a lot of people are feeling these things. They want different jobs. They want, you know, something, some good news, any kind of good feeling to come um, from the outside world. Yeah. And, you know, I, I struggle with that because I could prey on that. But then if that's let down, I feel like I'm going to be even a bigger tailspin and have no meaning and no purpose or not not know how to connect with those things. Yeah. So when you feel this way that yeah. I'm describing, when you feel confused or down in the dumps and, um, you know, maybe depressed or just the fear has really, really got you by the, the mm. back of the neck, like, what, how do you dig yourself out of that? How do you stop and pause and say, I can what's next yeah a few a few ways one is that to go back to like uh philosophical terms like my my westerner understanding of buddhism is the idea that like all life is suffering and all suffering just comes from want and you know more specifically suffering comes from wanting things to be other than what they are and so if you can just accept that things are how they are that will remove a lot of the the nagging feeling of anxiety and sadness, at least for me of like wanting things to be different if you can approach acceptance. Um, but then in a more like tangible way, cause that that's kind of heady in a more tangible way <laughs> to go back to improv again. I, one time I had a, when I was on an indie improv team, we used to call it like when you're just taking classes and would pay a performer at the UCB theater to come tell you and your dumb friends how to be funnier. Uh, a coach named Jill Donnelly, who I think is like a psychologist now or something. She's doing something other than entertaining with her life. So good for her. Uh, she gave the advice. We were asking like, what do you do when a scene's going bad? How do you save it? And her advice was, uh, if you're a pilot and your plane is crashing, what do you do? And the answer is don't let it. <laughs> and I thought that was so great. It was like, Oh my God. And I've applied that to like so many other areas of my life. Like, Oh yeah, things yeah. are going bad. What'd she do? Uh, don't let them go bad. Or like the, you know, that's, that's also kind of heady, but the thing is like, be, yeah. be active to an action. Exactly. Exactly. And so to another way that I've heard that same philosophy phrase is to treat depression with, again, with achievement rather than with pleasure, like pleasure, you might still feel sad. Like if you have a beer or, play video games for five hours, which sometimes I do those things too. Mm -hmm. But if you can work for 30 minutes or check one thing off your to-do list or clean your, clean your room that you've not been doing some achievement, some small thing that, that helps like yeah. the, um, the, the, uh, white stripe song or the Jack, Jack white song, um, about the acorn and the squirrel, like be like the squirrel girl, like who's, the squirrel who's scurrying away all his little acorns for winter, like yeah. some small thing that you can do to help yourself do that action. Yeah. I, I think that's great. I think that's really solid, tangible advice. Yeah. Yeah. That I think I, uh, that's helped me just now immensely because okay. I, I find that I do do that when I'm feeling that way, but I've never really, again, I, you need a word. Sometimes right. you just need a word right. or like someone to frame it. Like, this is what you've been doing. I'm like, Oh yeah. Yep. I just and some people interpret that as like toughen up or yeah uh, whatever like, but it's it, the idea is to do something. You don't just accept um, this defeated depression kind of thing. Like there is a there is a world out there. You just have to try to 
take another step forward, whatever metaphor, analogy, whatever. Yeah. And to go back to what you said about the just finding the right name for it, I think that's really smart too, really wise. And that maybe is kind of the point of your podcast is to giving people like, here's one name for this idea that didn't work. Okay. Here's another name for this idea. And they'll be a little bit different. Like to you, one time you bought me as a, a very nice present, a pair of trail running shoes or trail running socks. Cause I've, I'm trying to do more trail running. And there's this guy named Goggins. Oh, I forget his first name, like Walter Goggins, maybe, but he's just like ex Navy seal. Who's a Walter Goggins is the, um, he's the unicorn on CBS. Wait, really? So it must... isn't that Walter Goggins? That's Walter Goggins, is it not? <laughs> You're oh, it's something Goggins. Yeah, um, Walter Walton, Walton Goggins. Excuse me, not Walter. Wait, that's um, that's the, the guy you're thinking on, of. On, yeah, he's he's in uh, Vice Principals that show with. Uh, oh, Dan I Price. love that guy. Um, that's yeah, not who I was the... trying to think of. Oh, that's so funny. He's a great actor. David yeah, David Goggins is who I was trying to think of. David David okay, Goggins, not Walton. So he's this. This is not going to be worth it. He's this ex-Navy SEAL who his whole thing is like what you're saying. He's like, toughen up. Be tough. Uh, and I love I love trail running. and uh, But he his like philosophy just does not work for me. He's, he's like, you can suffer more. Be like, be harder. His, his like, I think he sells merch that says either like, be hard or get hard or you know so, something like <laughs> maybe not get hard, but something like that. Maybe not be hard. <laughs> yeah, I guess neither of those are. <laughs> That's not going to help you run. <laughs> Something gonna help you run trails. Yeah, stiff, get caught in a bush. Or stiffen whatever. up your joints. Uh, <laughs> wait, what? Uh, but it's that type of idea, and that just doesn't work for me. Even though I'm sure, like very similar phrases that essentially mean the same thing, yeah. w- will work for me. Yeah, and it's just like find your find your phrase that that speaks to you. Find the name that has meaning for you. <laughs> so, Nate, is there anything that gives you meaning that we didn't? cover like i know that your family's important to you and like the big swing questions like that but is there anything that is in your life that is like this is a a thing that really gives me meaning is it is there anything that's like a a specific thing that you really value that you're like this is kind of my little secret as to what motivates me i think it's it's um an intangible thing. And we touched on it a little bit with environmentalism, but I think just nature and like going for walks and being quiet. Like, uh, I live in Brooklyn near prospect park. And when I can go for a walk or a, um, a run and there's a few like little side trails that you can find in prospect park where all of a sudden you don't see the city and you can't hear traffic and you don't see any other people. And whatever that like quietness is or that peace, both external and internal, that's like close to when I feel like the closest to the best that I feel in my Mm. in my week. And I'm not I'm not thinking about my job in those moments. And I'm I don't know. I don't even know what I'm thinking about. I might not be thinking it might be like a flow state or like a not thinking and I don't know if that it feels weird to call not thinking a, a, the meaning of life, but I guess it's just like presence in, in the present moment or just being here now. And I, I find that a, through nature. Maybe it's an appreciation for something larger. Yeah. An appreciation, an appreciation for something for, outside of yourself. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even if it is, everything is a mistake. It's like, you know, I love, and you know, I live near prospect park too. And if you go there in the morning, um, in spring, yeah. there's like a lot of chipmunks. Oh yeah. Have you seen the chipmunks? 
No, I don't know if I've they're appreciated so chipmunks. They're so small and they're so cute and they just are just trying to eat and run around and live and it's really nice. I love that. It's really nice and I, I think like, you know, this sounds so hippy-dippy, but it's like even if everything is a mistake or if there is a grand plan, the moment where you just get to appreciate everything kind of like out there. Yeah. And it's not the city and it's not uh, your job or some kind of deadline or yeah. um, something that someone that wants something from you or being overcharged for a coffee or some bullshit. Yeah. It, that's what I think nature brings is like a nice reminder uh-huh. and a, a, to be a, a grateful. Wow. I think we and I don't think we have time to go into it, but I think we're maybe stumbling on something that maybe connects like a purpose of life is to love whoever is around to be loved. But then this like nature thing, it's focusing on an externality. And I think that like that person lost at sea or the person in the prison cell or whatever isolation they're feeling, even in that seemingly like solitary task, having like an outward focus and an appreciation. I think there might that might be where the meaning is. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to keep trying to find it, I guess. Yeah. I would love if we like you know, speaking to life stats, if we were like, truly, we're three minutes away. <laughs> if we, uh, yeah. Like, we're, we're going to stop this thing. But like, if you and I just talked for another three minutes. And, yeah. You were this close to Nirvana. You were, you were oh. This, we were this close and we almost found it over a, a Zoom podcast. <laughs> but you stopped. That, yeah. Well, we'll find out at the end, hopefully. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> we'll see. Thank you, Nate, so much. Thanks, Ryan. This is fun. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, head to patreon.com slash Ryan Beck and follow me at at I am Ryan Beck on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out my other podcast, Falling in Love with My Wife, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks. The Meaning of Life is produced by Ryan Beck, edited by Ryan Beck, and the music is by Shakir Stanley. Thanks for listening.